Welcome to the podcast Unimagined, where current and former students share how they imagine education in schools could be regarding student leadership. We ask them to share about their experiences and offer advice on how we can all do better. In this episode, we meet Annalise, an IB student in Atlanta, Georgia. She is working on her first book to tackle some of the social justice issues through the use of fables. She shares vulnerably that she fears failure because teachers have not allowed her to feel comfortable in the classroom to make mistakes. She's involved in her local NAACP chapter. We spend some time discussing her feelings of shame in the classroom but we get to celebrate with her in the second half. Welcome, Annalise. I was hoping that you might begin by just sharing a little bit about yourself. I'm in 11th grade, and I'm interested in creative writing. I love social studies, and I'm an artistic student. I love anything that has to do with art. I play the violin since I was in sixth grade. I'm in the international club. I love learning about different cultures than mine. I'm an open-minded person and I love to learn new things and new things about people. Tell me a little bit more about the International Baccalaureate. We learn the same things of students in Austria and France, all around the world who also take the International Baccalaureate. This is through my school and it's kind of like a dual enrollment course, but we're actually in the school. We don't have to go outside of the school. We connect with other students because we have the same classes and courses of people around the world. I do IB French. If someone in Austria or Mexico, they would also be learning the same IB French as I am right now. My class sizes are pretty small. My biggest class was seven people. The love of learning was your top leadership quality. And I think that that's really impressive and exciting to see someone at your age who has recognized and identified that the love of learning is really important. What do you think the characteristics that drive that love of learning come from? I think some students love learning, but I feel like the main reason a lot of kids don't is when you're taking classes you're not interested in so not all of us are math people like me I'm interested in French and social studies where other students aren't interested in French and social studies if we had classes that we were more interested in we could pick I feel like students would love learning more another reason I feel like a lot of of my peers don't love learning is because it can be very stressful sometimes you get a bad grade and you're afraid to tell your parents and your GPA drops. The system can be very stressing at times. I feel like if we could pick our courses and school wasn't as stressful, making friends, people would love learning more. Talk a little bit about those pressures of grades and the GPA and how that plays a role in choosing the courses that you take as a student in high school. I'm going into senior year. Last semester, our grades and math class really defined in what class we were going to get to next year. Like A lot of students were stressed out because they didn't want to be in lowest math because of their GPA 
of math last year. I struggled with math. It's just one of those stressful classes that can really take you down. If it's not one of your passions, if you're just not good at what the school system says. Every year when you take the milestones or end of year course, it's such a big emphasis on math and English. And if you're good at math, you're considered smarter, more intelligent than someone who isn't. I'm a writer. I know even in my IB class, the kids who are better at math, they're considered smarter just because they're good at math. And not being the best at math kind of makes me feel like I'm kind of more dumb than the others. It makes you realize that some students are good at other things. We each have our own things that we're good at. That's what I've really learned through this past year. I was really upset because I struggled with IB math and I realized that math isn't my strong suit. I'm doing better in a regular math class than I am in an IB math class. I wonder if I emote that belief that if you can get these questions mm -hmm. because you can understand the math, you are a stronger mm -hmm. student. That's pretty powerful and something that more educators need to hear is that we promote that mentality that mm -hmm. if you're smart in math, you are a smarter student. What an incredibly negative message that mm -hmm. sends to so many students. Why do you afraid of failure or mistakes? When I get a question wrong, I feel terrible and so embarrassed. Sometimes it can ruin my day. One of the courses I'm taking is a theory of knowledge class where we study philosophy. And our teacher asks us so many hard questions. She puts us on the spot saying, Annalisa, can you please answer that for us? Oh, man. I get so nervous. I've always been afraid of failures and mistakes. I never see anyone else make failure or mistakes, but everyone feels like that. There's those students in your class that seem perfect. They never get anything wrong. They get all A's. Then it goes back to me. I don't want to be dumb, especially in this IB program. You just don't want to be bad and say the wrong answer. You don't want to respond with a stupid answer. That has been my struggle for these past few years. I want to participate in class, but I don't want to make an idiot out of myself when I contribute to the discussions we make. What advice can you give to another teacher that would help you feel like any contribution you make is valid, right or wrong? What I've noticed in this past year, we all get wrong answers and it helps us when we look back and we're like, we learn from it. That's my main point. Not like it's like a terrible regret or something, but that was wrong. This is like the right answer. Do you think the questions that we put out there as educators and teachers make it so there is only one right answer? I feel like it depends on like what class you're taking, like math. Two plus two does not equal three. It equals four. Math, there's always a right answer. Compared to my theory of knowledge where we study philosophy, we ask, how do we acquire knowledge? There's not one answer there's multiple answers in a math class that's where I would feel more embarrassed because there's only one right answer if you get it wrong then you're just wrong but in English we've been studying like vocabulary words and Greek roots it's like you're right or wrong also the types of questions in the math section of my class I could ask how did you get to an answer. Can you tell me what the process was? Mm -hmm. And if I ask that question, then there is no right or wrong answer. It's more 
open-ended and you may get the right answer, you may get the wrong answer, but if I can see the process and you're willing to share the process, I might be able to then mm-hmm. help. If you are giving me the right answer, we just move on and there's no learning. How do you think we can celebrate mistakes and failures in school a little bit more? I think teachers should be more encouraging. I like what you said that how did you get to this answer? I love teachers who understand and can connect more with the students, but we don't really celebrate failures. I feel like it makes students feel bad and why some students drop out of school because they don't feel smart enough and why the love of learning with my peers is not as big as it should be. School can be stressful sometimes. I think teachers should connect more with their students and care more about your students and have a connection with them. Even though there's so many students in a classroom, if there's like something you don't understand, let's talk about this and just saying, oh, you got a D on this. Too bad. Let's move on. Hope you do better next time. Does your school do retakes and redos? In IB, we don't do as many retakes as we would in another class. But in my in my Algebra 2 class, my non-IB class. We don't really do retakes, but if we score higher on another test, you will replace it. Do you feel like that celebrates learning? I feel like it doesn't because we're moving on to the next topic. We don't really go back and learn what our mistakes were. Like if your teachers don't explain it, you're still going to be making the same mistakes every single year. And I feel like that has been a problem for me with math. I'm making the same mistakes as I did in eighth grade because my teachers won't take the time to go over something. And because we just move on. And that's the school system. We just forget about it and move on. But we never really go back. We just move on. When you just move on, you leave people behind. And I think what you're trying to say is if we had taken a moment to understand where my mistakes were, then I wouldn't continue to make those same mistakes and I wouldn't feel so much of a failure. You have described two different types of teachers and the impact those teachers had on you. Can you describe the teacher's that you've had and describe a little bit about the outcome of having different types of teachers. I did my biology and math, not my strongest suits again. And I just felt like one of my teachers just gave up on me completely. And it was a small class, it was IB. When a teacher gives up on you, when we're young, we always expect our teachers to love us and help you get through this. But I just felt like a failure, the one out of the bunch who does the worst on tests. And the kids in my class, they want to get in your business and they're like, oh, were you the one who did the worst or were you the one with that C? I understand teachers have to move on because we can't just stay back forever and help the student understand because there's so much you have to accomplish in a school year. So some things I understand, but other things I was really hurt about. And I had to drop out of the course because it wasn't helping me. And I didn't want my mistakes to just keep going throughout the year because nothing was going to change. You're trying to open that door. It's still going to be locked. So I didn't want to make the same mistakes and failures, especially since science isn't my passion. But with my math teacher, she did let me stay after school and she'd explain things. But what I've learned is that 
every student has different learning styles. I wonder if we're doing a good job reminding students of that. I see you and your like accomplishments and I see you as being such an amazingly strong student and to hear most of our interview is about how the system has let you down and the system has made you feel less than incredible. I wonder if there were areas where education could have done you a service by sharing certain students are good in math and certain students are good in English. And what if we paired you with a strong math student and that same math student is maybe not as strong in social studies and together you guys are paired up to support each other in those areas of weaker strengths. It's just so disheartening for me to hear a student of your intellectual capacity to say, I don't feel as smart as other students. And we in schools, our whole job is to be lifting you up and reminding you of your strengths and celebrating those strengths. And we got it so wrong because I can relate to a lot of the things you're saying. What do you think about grades in general? Do you think they serve a purpose for students? I feel like the whole point of school, sadly, is good grades. Good grades is what helps you get into a good college. The whole goal is about getting into the college is kind of like finish line at the end. And it's not really about the whole learning process because we don't go back and look at our mistakes like tests and quizzes and we don't relearn them. We just keep moving forward. It's like when you forget something and it's like, it's okay. It's not, gonna, it's not like I'm going to have a test on that in the future. Like my math test, and I don't even remember what I learned in January. All I remember is I got a good grade on that test, so I'm going to keep moving on. It's really not about learning. It's just really about the grades at the end of the day. And I feel like that's where the school system kind of fails us. I, I don't feel like a lot of kids do care about learning. It's just the main goal and in getting into that good college. And when you get into that good college, you say, oh, I was really smart. I got in, I got all the grades, but what did you learn from then? Can you explain like at least one or a few things that you've taken from your classes that you can apply to the future? Or was it just the grades? You're just proud of. We have tied so much to the grade in high school. That is really the focus. You shared feeling like you got the lowest grade in the class. How did that impact you? I feel like I just feel like I gave up because I gave up. Now I have to take science in the summer because I have to do that last half of science. I wasn't depressed, but it was, I I just gave up and it was like, I can't handle any of this. I'm not good at science or math. So why should I continue? Obviously I can give up on math because I went to a regular math class and I finally have a math teacher who I can understand more. I was telling my parents, I have never done so well in a math class until this semester because I have like an 86 and I've never been this happy, really. But I feel like with the science, I gave up and, you know, it's still going to come back to haunt me because I still have to work on my science this summer and next year, too. I feel like what will my next teacher be like? Will it just be a redo of what it was with my last semester? It's kind of like I have a fear of teachers now. I just hope that I don't get let down again and that they will support me or at least care about me. You said it earlier that teachers 
will do better if they build connections with students and get to know their students. And I think the word that you used right at the beginning of feeling ashamed is just going to sit with me for a long time. There are a lot of impacts that we as teachers can have on students and, and making them feel shameful and making them feel not smart can have a really lasting impact on kids. I want to shift a little bit because I want to celebrate you. So first, tell me a little bit about your role in the local NAACP. One of the reasons why I joined the NAACP is because I found something I'm really passionate in and I love helping people. And I believe that this, this organization has really encouraged me of how can I help my community? How can I help other people? And differences are ethnicity groups other than mine. We're all equal. And that's what I've learned joining this organization. Wow, that's that's really cool. I feel like we have all made people feel like they're wanted and they're needed in society. We've all talked about our history and how we we're not just like the minorities, but even if we're a minority, we contribute a lot to American history and how everybody is needed and wanted. And we even have worked with Hispanics and Asians and how we can work together to create a better world for the next generation and my generation, because, you know, the youngest generation and how we can make everyone feel equal to each other and that we're not just numbers. We do matter to American history and we all contribute a great deal to the United States. I want you to share about what you're working on, what you're hoping to do in the next couple of months. My mom and I were creating a book. I'm really excited because creative writing is my passion and we're using personification with animals and nature is like fables. I love using real world problems and issues, colorism, gender inequality. I believe that putting it in a way where it's not offensive or anything, young children can understand. But when they get older, they realize, oh, this is what the book meant. When you get older, like my age, it's like, oh, people have these issues. They were actually meaning like people not animals and things like that. I want it to be child-friendly. Would it be a book that perhaps a parent might read to a child? It will be a book a parent might read like during bedtime. That's how I really imagine it. Six-year-olds to nine-year-olds. I've been working like with poetry and all of throughout the writing genres. This will be like my first big book. I hope that I'll be able to create more books after the publishing of this and stories that I'm really interested in. The reason I asked about if it, a parent might read is because you're not only impacting young children, but you could be potentially impacting people my age and older, and maybe a grandparent reading a story to a young child. You are going to be impacting a wider audience mm-hmm. by having it a storybook that parents might read. Are you doing the illustrations yourself? Oh, no, I'm not. I'm having one of my past teachers illustrate, and she's an amazing artist. When you work in collaboration, collaboration with other people, you're developing your leadership skills, you're developing your communication skills. Do you have a title? Do you have a publishing company? We're still working on the publishing company. The title of the story is called Little Oak. So it's going to be personified trees, like trees getting human characteristic. I want it to focus on fables to make it more child-friendly One of the reasons why I started doing this is because I've been learning about book banning 
and I wanted to put it like in a way that I hope adults won't be offended or won't cause a lot of commotion. But I feel like if you put it in fable form, then it won't cause as much as controversy. I'm really excited about this book in general. I just really hope people like it. You're saying that it should be out at the end of 2022. That's really exciting. I would like to ask you if you have any advice for students or teachers or administrators to offer to help us make schools better for students. I would like for teachers to understand the learning styles of their students because I understand we have to get through the units through the year, but help their students understand it better and make learning more fun so students don't get bored and feel more connected. I want to thank you for coming on and I appreciate your candor and honesty. I really am looking forward to to seeing your book when it comes out. Thank you. What really struck me from this interview is how we as educators send the message to our students that those who are good at math are smarter. I also think moving forward, I will try to restructure the way I ask questions on how students got their answers rather than what the answer is or isn't. I've always wanted to connect with my students, but sending messages from my implicit biases can impact the way they learn in my class. Make sure to look for her book, Little Oak, this fall, 2022. What was something this episode brought up for you? Remember, share the episode, comment on an issue you think I should ask a student, or help me connect to another student. You can follow me on all social media platforms at Peers Not Fears. The theme music for this podcast, Unimagined, was written and produced by another fellow educator, Keith McClendon. Imagine what they will do